The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars. The just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash liveforward. White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made him 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Welcome back to the Rasball Prospect Podcast for another week here. Uh, leading up to spring training, we're in March. We're supposed to be in spring, but instead here in the Boston area where both Lance and I happen to be situated, we've got a big snowstorm. I think mine a little bit bigger than Lance's. I have about 10 trees down in my yard. I lost power. So we're now recording this a little bit later than we usually do. This is a Friday night podcast. We were released on Saturday morning. Uh, so very up to date. But Lance... How's it going, man? You Dude. actually had power this week, so you got to watch some spring trading. I did, yes, yes. I uh, I had power. I think it was a weird, like, inland storm. I'm right, like, in Boston. You're a little bit outside of the city. And, uh, yeah, it hammered, like, most of Western Connecticut and Western Mass. And I think even, like, just a little bit outside of Boston, you got drilled. and You had no power. And yeah. Friday Night Pod, I like this. It's like Friday Night Lights or something. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We did a pod with Wilson Caraman that was really, really late. And uh, we were both tired and shot. So this is a little bit different. We're changing things up. We're keeping it fresh. You know, keep yourself uncomfortable. Usually good things happen. You know, you develop. We develop the pause. This is how we do it, Ralph. I like it. Um, so no power. Uh, how was that? Uh, I can't imagine oh, good. It, it was great. And it was even better because, um, I, you know, I, I like to I like to try to live somewhat, somewhat healthy. And uh, I've never done anything like a cleanse. Like, I, I definitely watch what I eat. And I'm somewhat, sure. you know conscientious about that and you know work out and all that sort of thing but whatever not that anyone wants to hear this but anyway <laughs> so my wife does these cleanses every so often and they're kind of interesting it's it's not like just a, a super generic one but whatever it is it breaks down food groups over the course of like seven days and you kind of like build back up huh. um and she's done it a few times and i kind of just wanted to try it just like solidarity you know like whatever sure, hey sure. we could do it together so uh, I'm in the middle of doing that, and the first day you had, which was Wednesday, all I could eat was fruit, 
We then lost power on Wednesday night and lost all these trees <laughs> to oh the point gosh. that Thursday. So I wake up on Thursday. We get the generator going. We have a gas powered generator just to get our heat going. OK, so we got the heat going in the house and like a couple of things. We had a couple of plugs that we could use more or less, you know, so I was using the like charge a phone or yeah. this or that. Um, we were using like a hot pot more or less to make like soup. So we had all this like cabbage soup that you can eat like on the third day and the second day it's all vegetables. So all I could eat was vegetables and I'm eating like cabbage soup and it's the snowstorm and like I haven't eaten that many calories and I gotta go outside and like shovel this muck. It's not even snow, it's, it's just it's like super heavy heavy yeah. slush. Oh man, it was it's a weird day. Yeah, it was a crazy day. So uh in addition to that I got this weird I get this weird cleanse going on. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to Sunday because that's steak and tomato oh. day. Oh. And I'm just going to crush steaks all day. And I usually oh, don't get it. to eat steak very much. So that's fantastic. Uh, I've, heard okay, of like, I've heard of like juice cleanses before. And I actually think it's something that baseball players do. I'm not even joking on this. I've like seen that oh. before where like you'll have products on Twitter. Like, I don't know whatever the hell you call it. Being endorsed by players. I've seen this before. I quote yeah. me, I'm fine with you. Someone quoted me on this. I, I swear I've seen it before. I don't remember who the player was, but he was like, you know, they do like, I'm sure they get ads if they're minor leaguers, you know, trying to make some money extra on the side, whatever, if they're a lowered pick. They're like, oh, I just cleansed with such and such products, and it's just like a seven-day, like, juice pack you can buy for like 100 bucks. I got to do that sometime. I feel like I'd go insane. I eat a lot of meat. It's probably not good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I've never. I've never done anything like this. And usually, like, I'll just, you know, I don't know, make some sort of meat and mix it with, you know, vegetables. Yeah. You know, normal food yeah, or good. whatever. But like, yeah, I don't eat bad or anything. I just, I, I'm doing. I'm in it for the experience. I'm in it for the kicks, man. So, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. This is be interesting. Steak and potatoes day will be Sunday, so I will have to text you and catch up. Uh, you said you weren't, <laughs> haven't been watching a lot of spring. I, I've watched a little bit of spring. I actually was just watching before we are hopping on and recording this podcast. AJ Puck start on Friday here. Um, I was pretty impressed overall. I think that there's a little bit of hype around him possibly. I mean, I, I saw a quote from the Athletics saying when Bob Melvin, the manager of the A's, was asked whether Puck would break camp, he said anything could happen. Uh, I think that's a little bit of an overblown from what I'm seeing mm. him pitching. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen based on where I saw some of his command setting and how I, I'm not particularly confident in his changeup, but I like a lot of things about him. Uh, that slider is disgusting. I didn't get re- too many looks at the curve. His fastball command was a little bit off, but he's got really, really good extension. Um, I actually kind of like his mechanics, too. I think that the walks are going to be a bit of a problem if he can't corral his mechanics as he gets up through the higher levels. I think he's had like a 3-5 cape, excuse me, walk per nine in the lower minors and double A and such. Uh, I think that could tick up to like four-ish, unfortunately, once we see him in the bigs. But I like him from... If you're talking on the dynasty side of things, a developmental standpoint, because he's got four pitches. He can command all of them decently. I think he's still kind of working on where to spot those pitches, especially arm side, inside the lefties. He wasn't really spotting that too, too well. Um, but he faced a pretty good Brewers lineup. They had Yelich in there. They had Broxton, Domingo Santana, um, Hernan Perez, I believe, a couple other guys. And he fared pretty well. Some weird contact. Not a lot of swing and miss, more so them waiting him out, but... It was fun to watch him. He's a guy I've been wanting to watch for forever. I know he was pitching today, and I always look at that MLB at-bat schedule to see if they're actually televising a game that I want to watch. And 95% of the time, it's not. I want to see Kopech today, too, who got beat up a little bit. That game wasn't broadcast on MLB TV, so I couldn't watch it. But I was very happy to see the puck one. And um, I'm interested. I, I think that I don't, want to, I don't want to hype him up. I think my caution for anyone that owns puck is or wants to draft puck in like a super deep redraft is that I wouldn't say the ex- expectation's too, too high coming into 2018 with him. But uh, that's my impression of Puck. I want to see some more. But 
super interesting. I love his hair too. He's like me if I grew out my hair like another like ten to twelve inches, which is, <laughs> I, I have pretty long hair right now. But uh, he, I admire the flow that he has. So, uh, um, what's his uh, what's his fourth pitch? Because I thought he was fastball slider changeup. He's got a curve. I heard he's got a curve. I didn't see it. Oh, really? but he has tinkered with it. I believe in the past. Um, huh. I didn't see it in the spring star. I don't know if they're just they're working him fastball change slider. The slider is yeah. disgusting. I, that's going to be nasty. unhittable to lefties, honestly. But that change is going to be huge. I wrote about Josh Hader a while ago and how important his change is if they want to make him a starter. Similar guys. Too, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, some of the comps they were tossing out in the broadcast were funky to me. I actually almost want to comp him a little more to like a guy like James Paxton because he's got a ton of torso tilt when he throws. It's really, really angled. And like where his arm slotted is, is a little bit funky. But the Chris Hale comp's funky. I don't like that comp at all from what no. kind of pitcher he is from the arm slot, et cetera. It's a bad comp to me. But I, I'd probably lean more like a Paxton, but he's really unique, really unique guy. Um, he's a fun prospect, though. I think we'll eventually get to the A system. I feel like we'll have to devote a pod to that and, and tinker with him. It'll be but, soon. Yeah. It'll be soon. We're catching up. I actually did my, my A's uh, write-up this week, but I had puck number two. Okay. But that's only because, that's only because I think uh, Jorge Mateo can be just like an absolute beast in nice. terms of we'll fantasy. Nice. We'll have to talk about like, that. Yeah, his upside is so big, and just it's you know hitter over pitcher. I sure, think just, sure, for fantasy. We tend to go that middle infield capability potentially if he sticks there. Um, yeah, I mean he could be a stud. Like he could be an absolute stud. He's got wheels the, too, right? Yeah, he's got yeah. that like Trey Turner sort of wheels, and we see how you know his fantasy value is played, and uh, he really took a step forward with the power hitting last year, especially when he went up to Double A Trenton. Uh, before the deal so yeah i love i love mateo and it wasn't a knock on puck i think puck is a you know a top 50 guy easy, easy. but yep, uh, I, agree. I think there's still some of that control and command stuff like you said yep. this is just for me watching tape i didn't see his start i haven't watched any spring training games the last two days and wasn't <laughs> able to dvr any With and i probably power, have yeah. A, yeah and i probably have about 10 back and uh i actually watched the twins uh on oh, tuesday segue. night Here we go <laughs> before i lost power and i got to see uh some of these guys, but cool. the one one in particular was uh, Stephen Gonzalez. Actually, right. was, he's was a little large. back end of your list, but we're gonna start off with Royce yeah. Lewis here. Um, man, the intangibles on Royce Lewis—not something we really bring up too much—is is touting intangibles on a fantasy prospect. But this kid's 18, and I watched some interviews with him. I thought he was like 24. Like, yeah. I, I unbelievably like just you hear this all the time. Some guys are just gamers and really, really sync up with teammates, etc., and can be a leader and. I mean, I don't want to dwell on the intangibles here too, too much because I know it's probably not interesting to a lot of people for me to rave about how much I like Royce Lewis as a human being just from his interviews. But, man, I was super impressed with him. He, kid's 18. He held his own, and when he jumped up to, I think, from rookie ball to low A, oh, man, I really like him. We were actually just debating before we, we started recording here that, Ralph, that, you know, we're not really sure where he ends up, I think, positionally as far as a shortstop or outfielder goes. I thought I saw something that he was going to end up being – at outfielder starting this year, but I was we were searching around Twitter quickly and we saw some pictures pictures of him taking reps at shortstop. So we assume he could stick there. I like his actions at short. I really think he can stick there long term. But if you look at this list, Ralph, one of the things that the Twins have a ton of depth in is middle infield. Um, do you think that kind of hampers where he ends up at all? I know we were kind of tinkering about this. I want to see him at short, but you know, a guy like Wander Javier, there's, I mean, Jorge Polanco is a very, very respectable shortstop. I think Nick Gordon, Junior Severino, they got a lot, a lot of middle infielders. Do you think this is kind of more possibly to get into trade bait with some of these guys, or do you see, you know, Royce Lewis becoming the eventual shortstop in a couple of years? Yeah, I do think they make the investment uh, in him as the shortstop. 
because you know if we're looking at center field, it's going to be Buxton's position for a long time. Absolutely. Kep- Kepler has team control for a long time. That's right field. So really, all they have to figure out is left field, and we don't really know if Sano is necessarily going to stick. You know, at third, if he's going to be DH full time, which is probably likely. And then we'll see what happens between Polanco and Javier. I think both of those guys could potentially move over to third base. I know Polanco, I believe, has played a little third base even as recently as last year, if I'm not mistaken. And for me, I think that both Nick Gordon and Junior Severino uh, both happen to be second basemen. I think Severino Mm -hmm. right now is pretty much second base. Yeah, I believe so. Uh But I'm not Mm -hmm. not Gordon's kind of shifted between them from what I've seen. Yeah, and and from what I I remember reading and seeing is, is... most people, even within the organization, think he's going to end up as a second baseman. But uh, I think it's interesting because there's sort of like different waves. They always have like three waves of players. Do, I yeah. think Lewis is ahead of Javier, and then you know Javier will be right behind him, and we'll see how that works. Uh, but they have a ton of depth. They kind of have a lot of depth everywhere, just in terms of like skilled, athletic guys. You were saying before the podcast, they have a lot of guys that just – you know, the ceilings are immense. Maybe some of the floors are a little bit lower. Yeah. I don't think Lewis's floor is all that low because he's got such a baseline of good tools right across the board. Uh, 60 hit kind of, kind of a hit tool, really good bat to ball contact. I think there's budgeting power there. That's certainly developing. Uh, some might say it's a 50. I think it's a 55. Cause it's kind of, you know, one of those raw power things that you can see him sort of maybe, uh, de- you know, developing a little bit more growing and, you know, Coming a little bit more of a man, hitting for a little bit more power because of it. Uh, he has 60 wheels right now. He can mm-hmm. certainly steal bases and run. He's athletic in the field. He's got a good arm, uh, which is why I think they think he can stick at like a right, you know, right field or center field potentially because the arm is so strong. Uh, did play, I think, third base, shortstop, and then outfield. We when we were checking, we we noticed that uh, while he was at J. Sarah, which was uh, his high school, you know, mm-hmm. prep back in California, and he hit well. Uh, out the gate, you know, made it to full season ball. I think he uh, actually touched the Midwest League, if I'm not mistaken, for a couple of weeks toward the end there. But slash 279, 381, 407. So not a ton of power, but that's all right for an 18 year old right out of the draft. Man. Four homers, and he's still 18 bases. So uh, he's a really exciting prospect. And I think, you know, it's easy to put him number one here because there's so much to sort of bet on. So I think it just, you know, forward tool shed, so to speak. He's got a really <laughs> like high. He's got a really high floor, and right across the board, there's a lot of stuff that you could see being above average uh, when he's a finished product. Absolutely, yeah. You mentioned 18 steals. He's only caught three times, too. I love ratios like yeah. that in the lower minors. We see a lot of guys on a lot of lists who are stealing like 30 bags, and then you look at their caught ceiling, and it's like 30, and you're like, I don't understand how you're being thrown out by guys in low A. You know, like that's always concerning to me. But, uh, yeah, he's got wheels. He's got, as you're saying, like, he's a tool shed investment. Like, he's got so much. Like, I don't think if you invest in him, you have to hang on one possibility of what he ends up as. You know, whether he fills into his power a little more, ends up as kind of a, a left field power guy and the speed diminishes, or if he combines them all and becomes a little bit more of like a polished bat version of Buxton with a little bit less speed I think that's kind of where I see him maybe in that 20-ish 25-ish stolen base range with 20 home runs 20-20 guy almost like a little bit of like a Benintendi 
Um, very, sure. very different hitters, though, I would say, because, I mean, a Benetton polished college bat, Lewis is a prep bat, et cetera. It's a weird comp, but... Very yeah, different Lewis swings, is, too, yeah. Very different <laughs> swings. Uh, yeah, getting into the swing, you know, he's really, really fluid, too. I really like it. I think that there's often times where I'll see a lot of movement like he has and be a little bit concerned with how that's syncing up with the pitcher and how it's syncing up with his weight transfer. I really like his swing fluidity-wise, and I, I almost think it's a, almost a little bit too fluid. Um, I'd like to see him almost quiet down a little bit, but... He kind of pops his bat up, um, which is a t- I need to know the scouting term of this. I know it's not like a hitch. Like Alan Craig is like one of the guys who always always had that crazy hitch with his hands, but yeah. he's kind of got a, a bit of a bat pop where he just kind of pops it off his shoulder and it goes into his load, and it syncs up beautifully with that weight transfer coming forward with his leg, and that's why I think you kind of when you watch it in real time you see it being very fluid because everything is synced synced absolutely beautifully. And this happens with a couple of other guys in the twin system too. Well, they have a little bit weirder swings, but I like what they're doing overall and where the lower body is in their swing, etc. Um, big fan of Royce Lewis overall. I think in first-year player drafts, he should be inside the top three, four, unless you're some for some reason betting on someone else. Um, it is a little bit of a longer investment, but I mean, as we're saying, the kid's 18, he got up to a ball. You know, he held his own there too. I mean, 296, yeah. 330, 363, 394 in only 18 games. The fact that they gave him that bid at the age of 18 just blows my mind i'm a big big royce lewis fan i always like lingering on the top guy on most of your list here for a little bit ralph but uh wander javier i believe you spoke with ben badler right and he's a big wander javier fan so i actually am really interested in kind of your perspective on him first before i get into what i saw because i don't particularly remember what he said uh, badler said about javier and so how about how about you give me your take on him and then i'll kind of react to it because i have some thoughts that i think might deviate a little bit all right Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so I think he's, you know, interesting player, um, average pop, you know, pretty good speed, good bat to ball skills. Um, he definitely is raw at the plate, though. Um, from what I watched, he's definitely susceptible to stuff that's that's off the plate. Um, definitely chases quite a bit on those. Um, but he knows how to get take a walk, get, can get on base. Um Overall, I think I think he's a really strong athlete, um, and on top of it, probably will stick on you know the left side of the diamond. Whether he s- sticks it short, goes to third base. I know one of the things I mentioned in my write up was I wasn't sure if they would keep him in extended spring training in order to give uh, Royce Lewis some more reps, or if they would you know ultimately uh, maybe have him on the same team in the Midwest league and alternate reps, uh, at third base and on some other positions to see, uh, you know, who ultimately stuck at shortstop. So I feel like I'm rambling a little bit here, but yeah. I like, I like Javier overall, but it's one of those things where I, I feel maybe because of the whole draft experience with Royce Lewis, I knew a lot more about him. Sure. I just feel more comfortable investing in Lewis. Absolutely. And, touting Lewis higher. Now, that being said, it wouldn't shock me if Javier turned out to be the better player, ultimately. There's a lot of tools here as well. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't run uh, like like Lewis does. And I think ultimately he's going to turn into more of like a third baseman with power, personally. Yeah, I he was super interesting to me because I, I always dig into a lot of tape. He's one of the guys that, I mean, I always disclose that international prospects i'm i'm not great at kind of breaking them down and giving a, a confident opinion in them and this is something i've been trying to work on a lot but he's really really raw to me he's very very raw and from what i saw i 
don't really like his swing. I'll try to stay binary. I hate kind of meddling in the middle. But I don't really like where it is right now. And it's developed a lot. Like, you look back way back in 2015 when he was, like, basically a baby. And he had a big leg kick. And then in 2016, and when he had the big leg kick, it was, like, some of the swings I saw, he was so out in front. It was just oh, all, yeah. like, shoulders just, like, it looked kind of, like, it just looked unnatural to me. But... I mean, the reason I think Badler and a lot of these guys really like him is probably because of all the tools and also because they probably contextually have seen him live, seen him play, seen him on the diamond. And that's something that obviously I haven't done and I haven't seen him. So I kind of – some of these guys that people are touting as, as very good prospects, and Javier is way up there as international prospects go. He's I think he got actually similar money to Kevin Maitan, and Maitan was obviously just blown up. I mean, he was – Everyone is super, super in on him. Anyone in the prospect sphere knew who he was. Javier's mm-hmm. probably right under him, so he kind of loses all that kind of that hype. And yep. it's it's always tough. It's tough. It's tough. Excuse me, because when people get looks at him, they start to develop opinion on around around what they think he will develop into. Whereas I get video on him, and I'm looking at that video, and I'm restricted to that video, and it's tough for me to kind of see what they're seeing from him in person. So I'd love to punt to Badler on this. Honestly, overall, I would listen to Badler's opinion over mine, but. I, I don't like the swing. I got to say, I don't like where it sits right now in 2017 in the tape that I saw last year. They kind of opened up. He used to be in that leg kick, and they kind of opened up his stance and have him basically no stride right now where he's just picking up and putting down that front foot, and it's a lot of upper body. And the one qualifier I'll say is that I can see what the Twins are doing, and I like what the Twins are doing if they're very confident he fills out into his upper body. Because we actually saw this a little bit with starting Aredia, Ralph from the from the Dodgers where he was super high leg kick and they brought him down into basically like just a, a up, up and down of his front foot and they really were like just use your hands he's got crazy bat speed really good upper body use your hands and power the ball and that's where a lot of his power is coming from but Heredia is a bigger bigger guy they call I think Bulldogs his nickname or something like that from the Dodgers and they call him that because he's a bulldog he's really really strong whereas Javier is really Pitbull. not Pitbull that's it damn it I knew it was a kind of dog <laughs> pitbull pitbull that's it but but javier is is not the same kind of prospect to me right now where he's not as strong in his upper body so i'm interested in seeing how this plays out over maybe if he gets in a full season ball by the end of the year if they keep him down and and rookie ball etc and give him some more reps and just playing time because he's young he's another one of the guys we're talking he's 19 years old so like give me three years and let me reassess him but uh that's kind of why i'd like to punt the battler on him because i think i have kind of him in a negative light right now um, I wasn't shocked to see him number two on your list, Ralph, because I know, I mean, Balor is obviously super hot on him. He's one of the better pro- international prospects. But, yeah, I think I was I was a little bit lukewarm on him overall just from what I saw. Um, but, I, again, I, I'm a little torn. I'm torn on him just because I don't know what's going to happen developmentally. I think he's going to size-wise fill out a bet. He's 6'1". He's 165, they're saying. He gets up to, like, to 190, and he starts putting some pop into that bat, and that his upper body becomes a little bit more involved in his swing which allows that really no interaction with the lower body to not be an issue i i can buy into that but i think i want to give it another year or two before i start ranking him this high but i mean as you said it was we started we talking about javier the ceiling is is insanely high because if he could stick it short he's got really good mannerisms thrown on seeing everywhere he's he doesn't run but he's got decent motions and he's relatively quick he's got decent range he can stick it short and he can fell into his upper body and not slow down you're looking at like 25 30 home runs from shortstop i think ceiling wise and that's insane but the floor is super super low so as you'll see as a theme on this list there's a lot of volatile guys like this so yeah that's my that's my javier rant i guess <laughs> it's tough it was tough i'm always kind of torn on some guys and javier was the one for this list yeah no it was, it was a good rant yeah i don't know i mean i i 
Would you, would you have him lower, or do you think mm-hmm. he's still number two? I absolutely would have him lower. I'd probably put him huh. below Kirillov. Um, really? F- I'd probably go four. Um, so I'd go Lewis, uh, Kirillov, and I might even go ooh, him and Rooker. That's like a weird one because Rooker, ooh. I think, has a lot of floor, and he's kind of hyping up right now, and there's already buzz that he might be able to kind of crest into Rochester and get into the major leagues at the end of this year, September call-up if he hits well because he's just a polished college bat. Um, if I'm on a, if I'm looking fantasy side and I'm like thinking my contention windows in two years, I'd probably go Rooker over Javier. So Ah. uh, yeah, but then again, I mean like on these lists, like, but especially on this list between two and eight here, you know, like Nick Gordon, like if you want to make a case for Nick Gordon's floor being like top five on this list, completely fine with that. But uh, I definitely would have Javier lower just because I think there's a lot of embedded risk with him. Oh yeah, there's a ton of risk, but I feel like he's exactly the kind of prospect that I typically want to invest in, and I think they typically have pretty good track records of like these super toolsy, high uh, uh, bonus uh, uh, signing, yeah, yeah, high money, middle infield money, guys, yep. like with They're a ton of tools that, to that, yeah, yeah, that look good in rookie ball. On top of it, you know, like the numbers were good. Um, yeah. He certainly, you know, I know he's a year older, but you know, he's or. Two. No, he's a year older than than Maiton, and certainly has you know outpaced him thus far. He's shown oh, a lot absolutely. more. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, and and it's I tough. I and I and I trust the Twins' developmental system. They've done a pretty good job of bringing some players along. So, so no, maybe that's I mean, all part of it. Think back to Sano. He was a shortstop at a time, way 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 back. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And he oh, freaking yeah. he ballooned, and he became the guy he is now, which is just a massive raw power guy. But uh, I don't think there's anything yeah. he did with that though. I think that that's was always fair. coming down the pike. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. I think everyone saw him filling out more. But um, yeah, let's get into some different guys. I mean, Javier is obviously the super, super high floor. Excuse me, uh, not high floor, super low floor, in my opinion. Really, really high upside. But a guy like Kriloff is a little bit more of an unknown, Ralph. I don't know how you say it. I'm going to sure. go Kriloff. Kirillov? I don't know. We're going Kirillov. I thought it was Ki- I thought it was Kirillov, but it might be Kirillov. Oh, okay, Kirillov. That actually sounds better. I'm gonna go with Kirillov now. <laughs> Kirillov had Tommy John, positional Tommy John, and is a similar yes. procedure, I believe, to what Miguel Sano had. Um, yeah. So from what I was seeing, Ralph, if his arm bounces back, they think he could be a right fielder full time. His bat is super, super polished, but then again, we haven't seen him in a year. He's mm-hmm. really like a mysterious guy to me because I really liked his swing. I was looking at some tape of him a while back, but. You always, yeah, I, I feel it. like you got to be a little bit cautious with guys like this when they in their bounce back year right here. So, what are your expectations kind of going in to this season? Do you think he's actually gonna? Because like I feel like if he has a good month or two, he's gonna shoot up into like the top fifty on lists. But I mean, if he comes back and there's any kind of rust in there, I think you're gonna start to see some of the prospectors maybe kind of tamper the expectations on him. I'm less concerned with an elbow with a, a hitter than I would be if it was a knee or a lower body injury. I think those are a little bit more treacherous um, just just because so much of your drive and everything else comes from that. Kyle Lewis is a great example. Yeah, exactly. And there's just numerous guys that it it just acts up, whether it's an ankle or whatever, and it's not a wrist injury. I know that sounds funny, but it's not like a broken bone in the wrist or something like that you're coming back from hand injuries. That's a weird one, yeah. Yeah, we've seen guys come back, you know, positional players come back from Tommy John and be okay. Um, He's young enough and he's had enough time off because they did kind of take a little slow. He should be fine. I haven't heard any reports on him in camp, actually. Um, I I think I wrote this right at the beginning of 
pitchers and catchers. So I don't think there was any new news. I'd have to double check. And, and this is another one of those things that he might be on backfields and just sort of buried. But I'm sure we could dig a little bit more and find out a little bit more uh, about what his immediate is. Did you just hear that buzzer, by the way, in the background? Yeah, are you watching basketball? No. No, <laughs> no that was my dryer, go, of course. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You gotta do all the laundry now because the power back on, right? You've been wearing the, you've been wearing your Rotoware shirt for the last four days, Ralph, right? I have. I actually <laughs> I am love wearing it. I love a Rotoware shirt right now. I see we'll do, it, yeah, we'll there you that, go. We'll do Man. that bit in a second. We got more gear off. Sorry, Kenny, we gotta talk here a lot. Yeah, so <laughs> anyway. do you have a do you have a swing comp from Ralph? Because I have one that uh I, I actually kinda like a so this is cool. Christian Yelich, but it's a better oh. launch angle version of Christian Yelich. It's like what I wish Christian Yelich would become in in miller but i don't think he will become kind of where his hands positioned where he kind of flows with his body and how he moves i, I was reminded of yelich um yeah. but again very different kind of hitter i think he's going to be into a lot more fly balls than yelich will ever get into unless he makes yeah. a, an adjustment as i've as i've written about before i think but uh i'm a big fan of Kirloff. i think i had him inside my top 100 he's really just a kind of yeah, a lottery ticket right I'm now with you. yeah he's a, he's an interesting lottery ticket because we really don't have i really wish uh, yeah i kind of want to look at some backfield I, I, anyone been kicking around the backfields with the twins? Well, I'd be really interested to see what he's doing as far as how he's been impressing, et cetera, because super high floor bat. I mean, the guy, 14% K rate, I think, in seven home runs in 55 games is just awesome. Like, he was fantastic, and similar to what Rooker did, where you just destroyed, I think, the, was he, did he get up to the Appy League? He might have gotten up to the Appy League, where you just destroyed that. And, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I think some scouts, I've long and hating, actually, I was looking through Fangraph's kind of report on him, said that some scouts are a little bit concerned that he's got a bit of like a buggy whip swing. And he does have some stretch. <laughs> There's the buzzer again. I, <laughs> I feel like you're watching basketball. <laughs> no. But yeah, he's got a bit of like a buggy whip to his swing where he kind of stretches back with his hands and goes counter motion to his body and then he gets his bat speed going. And it's it's good enough where that's not going to be a concern from from my end on, on his swing. But I'm a fan of Kriloff. I, I would have him above Javier. Um, and I'd have... Who Brent Rooker? Uh, I want to jump down to talk about him before we talk about Bruce Star, who has an eighty grade name. Uh, Brent Rooker, Ralph. Uh, he's kind of that really sexy first year player draft guy right now. Um, what are your thoughts overall? Do you think there's any chance, any remote chance that he hits the major leagues this year? Yeah, I don't. I don't know about him hitting the major leagues this year. I, I guess it's possible. It's it's certainly possible if if he continues to be the player that he was in the Florida state league last year, where he was in the top like 10 to 15 in homers with just playing 40 games in one of the most difficult hitters leagues, you know, one of the most difficult hitters leagues in the world. Um, Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, if he hits that way and the twins certainly could use maybe a, a corner guy, a left fielder with that kind of pop, you know, as they're making this playoff run, especially a team like that where they don't have a ton of assets, they always controllable assets. They necessarily want to trade away for short-term rentals. Um, you know, they're they have to be a little bit more smart and get the most out of their farm system. So maybe Rooker is an option for a competitive team like the Twins. It, it's not, it's not totally impossible. But I think it's improbable. I just think he needs another year. And I think the other thing is we haven't seen him struggle yet. And these guys tend to mash low in the uh, in the low minors. And, and when I say by these guys, these people, what do you mean by these people? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, college, advanced college power bats you know, that are a little bit older and, you know, might be a little old for the level, a little bit more advanced for the level. 
you know, cause they've been playing at a high level, like an sec level for three years and really performed well. I think he, you know, led the league or was amongst the national leaders in homers last year. If he didn't lead the nation in homers. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to knock him. He's got a power swing. He's going to swing and miss. I don't think the batting average is going to be 281 like it was last year. I think it's going to be more like 240, 250. He's going to have a high K rate, I think. He could be like uh, like Mark Trumbo, you know, maybe. Yeah, I don't mind that. A little bit better in the the field. But just in terms of like the statistical comp, right, that's what I I typically go for. But, yeah, I don't mind the swing. I You know, I think his on-base percentage is good. I I think his bat speed is better than A.J. Reed. So I don't think he's going to suffer the same fate. AJ Reed was very similar in terms of how good he looked in the low minors and throughout the minors. And then just obviously struggled at the major league level. Mm-hmm. That's my one concern with Rooker is that he's going to mash in the minors, get to the majors and just be like another power bat, you know? Yeah. And that's a matter of like the average, not catching up to being a reasonable amount, especially cause like you can't really invest like a top 100, top 80 pick in a redraft. If, if he's not posting like a two fifty average with the power upside, or he just turns into like a big power bat with nothing else. And, I mean, that, then again, there's so many guys like that. Like you can look at guys like that at first base, third base, et cetera, in the outfield where you can get 30 home runs, but you end up with a 240 average, and then that kind of nets out to not be nearly as valuable. But, yeah. yeah, the 30% K rate is a little bit concerning. But, I mean, I can't get past the power. Like, the power numbers he put up are just baffling to me. Like, he mashed. I think he's a Mississippi State guy. He mashed there. He mashed in the lower minors. It's just... Uh, yeah, and I, I'm completely content with it, where his mechanics are right now, which is probably one of the reasons why I think that K rate's going to linger a bit, just because I don't see massive adjustment coming for him. Because it's, it's he's got a pretty smooth out swing, he's got a little bit of a toe tap, um, really not much a leg kick, but he shifts his weight pretty well. Um, but I, I think that K rate's going to linger around 27 ish percent, probably at 25 at peak. I hope it could get down to maybe, but he could take a walk. So I think the OVP will be fine. Um, I'm a big fan of Rooker. I'd say as far as like a, a I do like thing, him. Yeah, yeah. I think we might be a, a little bit critical here of him, but uh, but I like. Oh him no, a lot. I I just I, yeah, I I wanted to just give the uh, <laughs> worst case scenario the, almost. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just want to give the caution because I think people can get so caught up in the numbers, and I love this system and I love this top I five. Too. It's my, oh, this yeah. my my favorite top five. And if you jumbled it up, that's fine. I think Lewis is a consensus number one. Um, as I mentioned, just going back here reviewing, really like Javier's upside. Um, you know, Kirilov, same thing. I mean, what a great, you know, uh, another really interesting bat and different from Javier and, and Rooker and some of these guys. And then as we get into uh, Bruce Dar, Gratterall, uh, I love him. I, I is as risky as he is, and I'm sure he'll talk about his mechanics and everything else. As risky as he is, oh my God, I love him. I think he's so interesting. I love this system. I really do. I agree. This system is super, super exciting. There's, I mean, we're saying, I feel like this is the riskiest system, but in risk, there is reward. Like, I'd be stunned if, you know, you look at two through, like, seven on this list, if we don't have, like, one of these guys hit and end up being, like, a perennial, like, top 50, 60 fantasy guy. Like, there's a good chance, you know, really far down the road, Hawander Javier is like that. I think Kirillov can really jump into there with his average if he could hit lefties from, you know, and he improves and his arm thing isn't an issue. Uh, Rooker, if if he hits well and that average jumps up a little bit into the 260, 270 range, he could end up being like a Chris Davis-ish guy where he's hitting 35-ish home runs perennially. I think that's a real possibility. Um, I agree. This is a really fun system. We'll get into Akil, your boy Akil. But Bruce Starr get Gratterall. Uh, the name is unbelievable, number one. Uh, he's He actually kind of reminded me a little bit, Ralph, of 
of Justice Sheffield, actually. It's different really? overall, but as far as just a little bit on the high effort side, but the thing I, I think I'm drawing the comp between Sheffield and Gratterall here is that I actually don't think it's as high effort as a guy like Carson Fulmer, who's a little bit undersized. And he always gets knocked for being really, really high effort, and he doesn't have the nearly the same kind of pitch repertoire that the two guys I'm talking about, Sheffield and Gratterall, are here. But I know Sheffield's a lefty, Bruce Gratterall's a righty, but what I noticed in terms of of what they're doing kind of in how they're throwing, it, it, I thought it was relatively similar. And it's weird to comp across handness, but he kind of is what he reminded me of. And I, I got to admit, I like him a lot. I don't think that there's too, too, too much concern in terms of where his where his height gets into bogging him down because he's got really really good control right now i really like his arm speed i think his change of projection is fantastic going forward even if he hasn't been using it a lot he probably doesn't need it because he's been lingering around the minor leagues and a lot of those you're not going to be featuring a change up too too much there if your fastball's got life like his but uh gradwell's fun i gotta say yeah just under 40 innings 29 percent k rate it's really good and the control is the biggest thing for me and i feel like the biggest concern with a lot of these undersized guys is the fact that they don't have the best control because they're high effort. But Gratterall's a little bit higher effort, but because he has such good control, I don't even think I want to consider him higher effort. And the same thing goes for Sheffield. He's got pretty good control, and I don't want to consider him high effort, even though you get that tag on guys who are a little bit smaller all the time. Um, but again, we're looking at a guy with very little track record overall. So the risk is obviously there, um, but I, I like it. I really like the arm speed. Um, he's got, I think, two breaking balls, curveball slider. Um, I was watching that. There's a really good guy on YouTube, actually. I gotta, I want to shout him out, John Tarr. I don't know if you watch any tape, Ralph, but it seemed like every single guy on this list, he had really, really good tape of on YouTube. And I was watching some of that, and I was super impressed. Um, mm. And Gratterall, he had a really nice behind-the-catcher bullpen of Gratterall that I was watching. Um, I like him. I like him overall. He, he looks like a pretty fun prospect. I think that um, I was reading through someone else's analysis of the list, and they said that he's one of the more in terms of pitchers that really no one is talking about with decent upside and decent floor, he's kind of no- near the top of that list, that small subject section of prospects. And I would agree with that. I think that if you're in a dynasty league and he's sitting around or no one really knows who he is yet, he's a guy who could jump up into the, you know, into that back end of righties in the top 100, maybe 100 through 150, where, you know, there's some reasonable projection there with the change up. You're looking at two breaking balls. He can command pretty well. Next thing you know, he's up and he turns into like kind of a Marcus Stromanist guy where he's a little bit undersized, but he's got a really good mix of everything. So uh, I'm a fan of Gratterall. Yeah, I don't mind it at all as far as, as the mechanics go. I think that a lot of people maybe are knocking him for that, but I'm fine with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's going to be in my top 100. He 100% is a top 100 prospect to okay. me. Um, I think he's going to show up in some other lists as well. And I just think that the stuff is just there. Uh, the stuff is nasty. He's going to miss bats. He's got, at least as I see it, he's got three-plus pitches between that fastball, which is just absolutely disgusting, um, maybe even borders on plus plus. That's a plus slider. He's got a, I think he's got a plus curveball too. Um, he has no extension though, right? Like no, he doesn't, it, but his, 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 his delivery is like as funky as it is. It's, it's high, it's high body, fo- high, ugh, ugh, upper body <laughs> focused, but I almost feel like the drive from his legs is because his lower body is so strong. Like if you know the whole story with him, I mentioned it in my write-up, he gained like 40 pounds of muscle in his lower half uh, when he had got Tommy John surgery. You know, when he first came into pro ball, he, I think he threw a few innings, popped his elbow, went under the knife. And just like Kirilov did, Kirilov added 30 pounds. I think he added 40 pounds in his lower half. That's unbelievable. I didn't so know that. So he's 225 pounds, 6'1". So I don't think he's undersized. 
he's a beast. Height wise, like, height wise. Yeah. But he's yeah. got the lower I mean, body to but, stick I with. I mean, it. yeah. Uh, Strowman's like fifth, what, five, seven? Yeah. And five, probably eight. not 225. <laughs> no. Um, and he's got some plan in his fastball, too. Like, if you look at the GIF that I put in there, that's a fastball. I mean, that thing, that thing's got some dive to it, you know? Um, good velocity. He's hit 101. Yeah, I think he could jump up and. I'll, I'll make a crazy statement here. Hot right. I think that a year from now, it wouldn't shock me if he's a top 50 prospect. I like it. I think there's a real possibility to that. And I think that he ends up being a guy who's a little bit, he's a big differential between lists because at 6'1", and because he doesn't have a lot of extension, because it's a lot of upper yeah. body in his motion. I think you're going to see guys who are like, no. But I, I almost might want to lean and agree with you a little bit, Ralph, because the command is really good. Like that's what I keep coming back to at the end of the day with him. And that's why I think I like him a lot. And if you watch this tape of him in this Panama, I actually just pulled it up because I want to see what you're talking about. With it was, extension. it was six, it was 60 pounds. It was 60, 60 pounds. pounds of the of muscle. It's just, yeah. that's bonkers. I wonder if it's more of a thing. Like you hear a lot of guys nowadays getting into like, he's Pilates. not 20 yet. He's not even 20 yet. He's yeah, still only 19 years old. Crazy. You hear a lot of guys getting into like flexibility programs and Pilates. I wonder if he gets into something like this with 60 pounds and starts to shave some of that off, and if he extends, like he could be, he could sit 97. He can end up being like a Garrett Cole kind of guy where his average fastball velocity is just always, always up there in terms of a speed and stuff like that. And maybe it doesn't result in unbelievable production, but I, I'm a fan of Gratterall. I got to say, I, I don't mind that jumping into the top 50. I think he's going to be differential on lists, but I like what him. I, what I've read is that he just really like immersed himself in like the, twins training facility after he had surgery and just did whatever he could learned i think he added i think he added a a pitch or two and just lifted like crazy i think he was just like squatting and (laughs) that's unbelievable you know probably just absolutely destroying like anything in the lower half (laughs) exactly you know just 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 uh you know putting up 600 pounds like it ain't no thing i I do that every day ralph (laughs) Not true at all. Uh, I'm gonna pass it back to you for for uh, Akil Badu, Ralph. This is one of your boys here. I gotta I gotta give you the floor. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're the uh, you're the second person that I've I've spoken with uh, this week because <laughs> I put out I a video. Tweet, yeah. I put out a video with Andy this week talking about Akil Badu. I I love this kid. Um, I think across the board, really interesting prospect. I love toolsy outfielders. If you don't know by now, but. The thing that I like about him is he's a toolsy outfielder with a really nice baseline hit tool. And I think that when you have that to go along with some athleticism, some speed, and I'd say, you know, high teens pop, maybe 20 homer pop if he grows into a little bit more. But right now, I I like him more as, you know, a, a consistent guy that gets on base, get hit for a 300 average, you know, have decent power, hit, you know, one, two in your lineup steal some bases. I mean, the, the 2017 stats speak for themselves. 323, 436 on pace, 527, uh, four homers, 29 RBIs, nine steals. That was 53 games. I mean, he walked at a 14.8% clip. Doesn't whiff a lot. Actually, only struck out 13.2% of the time. Good ISO speed. I just, I like the swing. Um, good bat-to-ball skills, good athleticism. A lot of improvement in his first year. I don't know if you look at the GIF that I have, it's it's one of his few homers, but it was <laughs> an awful like reach out swing and he put it out over over the fence. I don't know if the the wind was blowing out that day. If you look at the GIF, it's kind of a funny homer. But either way, I really like everything that's going on here. I like guys like this. Jemai Jones, I think, is kind of a similar profile. 
That's why I always throw yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. I like Gil Badu. Um, I think he's a little slept on. I think they're, I think people are either way too high on him or sleep on him too much. I think they're too high on him because he's got an 80 grade name, right? Is it a kill, <laughs> a kill Badu? The first time I ever mentioned him was like a week after the uh, the 2016 draft. I did a guest spot. I wasn't hosting the Rasball podcast with JB and Gray. Oh, and, uh, they asked me for like a super deep sleeper, and I was like, second round pick a kill Badu from the Twins. Oh, really wow. athletic. Young, I think he was one of the youngest guys in the draft. I think he was seventeen. Um, Dang, Ralph. So yeah, I've that. been That's on. Awesome. I've been on Badu for a while. He's one of my guys. You know, like him, Reese Hoskins, Willie Calhoun. Yeah. By the way, did, did you see my tweet about somebody in like my dumbed down, uh, twelve team home? Uh, it's a head to head points league, and we have like seventy prospects owned, and I've been looking at like. Willie Calhoun for a few years, but I always try to grab pitchers or like okay. really, really like speed on base. Like I, I, like I went with Scott Kingery as my, my, my oh, prospect I love Scott this year. And I went, I went him over Willie and I love Willie, but this guy was like trying to tell me how good Willie is. Cause he's like the, le- the resident, like league genius. And he, I, they kind of don't know like what I do, <laughs> but we're on fan tracks. And my TV show is literally like, embedded on the side of the homepage and like this guy is so clueless he has no idea that it, like all this information about what I'm going to be drafting is right there and he has no idea <laughs> and, he's, and he's texting me about how good Willie Calhoun is you know oh, I, I bet you're into prospects but I bet you don't know Willie Calhoun oh no I don't know anything about Willie no Calhoun no idea yeah once, once yeah, you get yeah. to the major once anyone gets to the majors Ralph completely erases him from the, his memory right yeah I'm pretty sure that's how you work oh, <laughs> it, it was just amazing that he was like preaching to me about Willie Calhoun that's was, funny. oh okay great oh, man. Ralph you want to talk about anyway. some Rotoware? I would. I would. Yeah. You know how many takes on a kill Badu? Are we going to um, do that? Oh, yeah. I didn't actually get my take. I think you, I think you are, are you hitting the nail on the head there. I think you've, you say that to me a lot. i got to pass that back to you because I think that's a good kind of – yeah, the, the GIF I think you have on Embedded, which I really like, number one, on, you did this on um, on the Twins Prospect post that you put up on Sunday. You're doing – you're speeding those up to try to get through them before the start of the season, yes. I think. And you got yes, a couple coming um, out. You did the Twins one recently, and you had GIFs in there of each of the guys, and I really like that. And I think if I remember the home run you have from Badu – it's a weird, yeah, you mentioned it's a weird reach down. That's actually a really, really good piece of hitting. I know it looks disgusting, but for him to get up into that ball yeah, that low, I, I, I immediately thought to myself that he's got really good, like, north-south play coverage is kind of what people say, I believe, where it's up and down, he's able to kind of get his bat on the ball. And I like that where you're saying, like, I think he can linger around, like, the 300-ish and end up with, like, 15-ish home runs, a little bit more if he gets into some pop, but... I I'm really, I can't knock him anywhere. He's really interesting to me. Honestly, I, I give you props for hopping on him early, but um, the approach is huge too. As you said, 14% walk rate. I want to see that stick. That yeah, sticks, that's what I love. That sticks, man, you're looking at like 350, 360-ish OBP, I think, because I think he could be like a 280, 300 hitter at the major league level if everything kind of clicks for him. So um, I'm a Bedu proponent. I'm also a Rotoware proponent, Ralph. Yes. So without further ado, let's get to uh, that rhyme. Badu, adu, go. Anyway. I like it. Rotoware, rotoware.com, at Rotoware on Twitter, at Kenneth Cashman, our number one sponsor. You can use our promo code SAGNOF, S A G N O F, to get 20% off of any of your orders. Uh, I'm wearing the advanced stats one right now. It's got Woba, Baybip, all that sort of stuff. Speaks right to all of us. 
fantasy baseball nerds, especially us ones that like to get in the weeds and dig into the statistics. I know Lance is one of those guys as well. He's got even more designs coming out. He's got the 80 grade design that came out. I got that. He's got the exit Velo City, which is modeled after that famous John Lennon shirt that says New York City, and he's like on the rooftop. Same sort of design, did the same thing. Really, really interesting. Uh, He's got a ton of awesome designs for baseball, and I think I own every single baseball shirt that he put out this year. I have enough RotoWear shirts that I could wear a RotoWear shirt every day for a week and a half, (laughs) maybe even two weeks. You can't do laundry. Yeah, I can just I can just wear rotoware shirts. I do anyway, but they might they might smell from all of my wear. So I always have to clean my rotoware shirts. And when you wear them, they don't shrink. That's my one hundred percent guarantee. They're not going to shrink. They're not going to like fade. None of that stuff. Highest quality materials, designs, everything. Kenneth Cashman is the man. He's also an actual designer for his career. Yes. Puts it into his passion. What's not to like about it, Lance? Is there anything you'd like to add on Rotoware, my man? Oh, I, I love Rotoware. I'm a big fan. Kenny's actually going to help me out with a little bit of logo rebranding work for Big Three Sports, which is the site I run and my podcast. So uh, nice. I was connected. I talked to him today. I talked to Kenny, and the first thing he said to me, if he's listening right now, the first thing he said, he's like, oh, I feel like I'm on the podcast because <laughs> he heard my voice, and I thought that was funny. I was like, Kenny, that's good. I like that I've embedded the, the Lance Broshitz b- between me and you here. <laughs> the, the voice, the banter back and forth people are starting to recognize. That's It's good for the brand power of the prospect podcast ralph um yeah rotoware absolutely what you're everything you're saying is is echoed by me 100 percent. i i plan on picking up a couple more shirts here i really like the the what is the city one you were talking about i forgot it already exit velo, exit city. velo city that's it i like fly the quality start that's probably one of my favorite ones i gotta say and then the shirt you're wearing right now that i see you wearing with all the stats on it i'm gonna pick up a few i'm not sure which ones i'm gonna pick up so i'm gonna have to keep that uh under wraps i don't want to spoil it but um uh yeah unbelievable designs unbelievable quality on the t-shirts Attention to detail is bar none. He's got all these cool little trading cards he tosses in, little stickers so you could slap them on whatever you want. Lockers if you're a high school student. Lockers if you're a college student. Lockers <laughs> if you're an old person who goes to the gym. Slap them on anywhere for Rotoware. Rep the brand. Rep Kenny Cashman. At Rotoware on Twitter. Sagnoff is the promo code for 20% off. You guys know what to do if you've been listening for a while. Buy some shirts. Baseball season's right around the corner. There's no excuse to not buy a couple shirts before the season. Make it a perennial thing to help Kenny out, and uh, we appreciate him immensely. So, Kenny, as always, thank you. 80-grade sponsor. 100%. Absolutely. No, no, no doubt about it. Um, Nick Gordon. Do you got any doubts about Nick Gordon? Yeah, I doubt how much of an impact he's going to be fantasy-wise. But he's got, he's got interesting – he's interesting in the sense that I think he's a major leaguer. I yep. think he can hit baseballs. I, I just I – I don't know if he's going to hit him for power. He could steal some bases, but I, I think it's not – I don't think he's a 20-steal guy. He's certainly not a 25-steal guy. He's he's a lot like J.P. Crawford with less power and a little more speed. Uh, maybe less on base. Less, less on, on base, base too. Absolutely. JP is I just mean like statistically like where he's going to linger. Like he'll be okay in a really deep league. I wonder about his relevancy in 12-team leagues outside of his best seasons. I, I don't think he's going to be perennially a guy that's always owned, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I say it like in my, in my write-up. I just don't think he's going to be a must-own player all the time. He's somebody I really struggle with to rank because I've ranked him really highly early on when I was doing prospect lists. And then I started to learn that I don't love guys like this because, like, really, what's his standout tool? It's his ability to that's hit, fair. but he's still only, he's still only like a – Great. Yeah, but yeah. he's still only like a 270 hitter. It's not like he's like a 300 plus guy, you know. So it just what what you know what do I sink my teeth into with Nick Gordon? 
Yeah, you anything? So the thing for me is, you know, I talk about, I always watch Tony video and all these guys, but honestly, if you just go jump to his fangrass and, and stat line scout him, I think there might have been a bit of a swing change because you see the K rate go up, you see the walk rate go up, you see the homers go up, you see the average go down. And that's just standard for me that they're trying to get into some more pop with him. And whether that yep. be because they actually think at the major league level he could turn into a little bit more of a power second baseman, which is where I think we, we ultimately see him ending up, I believe, Ralph. I think we agree on that. And, uh, but he, he started taking walks a little bit more. He's got some pop. It's interesting. Like, he's got a really good arm. I feel like he could almost – it's almost like if he moves to second base, the value of him as a player for me goes down a little bit because the bigger tool he has is he's got a really, really good arm. But – to have the good arm and to go to third base with the system that the Twins have, where you have a lot of other guys. Like, I think I have a weird feeling when we're talking about Javier. I think there's a weird chance he ends up as a third baseman if he moves off short with his size. Yeah, I, think, if we see I think he actually does. I think yeah. he's going to be here. I so said it like, earlier, yeah. But, like, Gordon is, is up in double-A. He had 578 plate appearances last year in double-A. This is probably the year for him to jump to triple-A. And if they want to September call him up and kind of give him a look to see what he is at the major league level – it's, I agree, it's not really fantasy tantalizing. I think he's kind of a guy who's probably a little bit more valuable for his versatility and for what he can provide and the fact that he's kind of not a detriment in anything as a real-life player. And we talk about, like, exactly. Billy Calhoun is a guy, we were just talking about him, where <laughs> he's really, really fantasy valuable, but on the major league side, would I want him on a team because he can't literally play anywhere? I probably wouldn't. Like, I don't know if I'd want to stick him in the outfield and have that be a liability. Probably don't want him at second base. But if you're, that doesn't matter for fantasy. Like, you have his bat for fantasy. His steamer projection, Willie Calhoun, is insane. Like, it blows my mind that you're giving a rookie that, and a pure rookie, not like a transfer rookie from an international country. But that's kind of where I see it ending up with Nick Gordon is the opposite direction. He becomes a little bit more of a valuable player, but not on the fantasy side of things. And I believe that kind of keeps him probably out for the most of his career outside of, like, the top hundred in redraft leagues probably even top 150 in redraft leagues you know i just don't i don't know where the upside is i agree i think there's some stolen bases his conversion rate wasn't fantastic double a last year he was 13 for 20 i wish that was a little bit higher like what is that at the major yeah. level like 10 bags like are they even gonna let him steal like polanco i think had 15 last year ish right around that yeah window. that's what i wonder i it's just just weird like what's what stands out is as you said he's a better real life prospect yeah. because i think there's so many different directions that he can go um, and I actually think hitting wise, I probably prefer my number eight guy, which is uh, Junior Severino. Severino's really interesting, Ralph. He's a he's a Braves guy who got, I believe, cut and then signed by the Twins. Confirm? And he's, can you confirm yes, that? Yeah. and he signed yeah. more. He signed for more than Kevin Maiton, but he was from that uh, punished class of the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed for one point nine million last year, and then two point five this year. He gets to keep both uh, monies. So good for uh, Severino. Switch hitter, good bat speed, really, really powerful. I think this kid could be a 20-homer guy at second base. He's not going to stick at shortstop. I think they're going to end up moving him over there anyway. I probably have drafted him in almost every first-year player draft uh, that I've been in, except for the last 30 because I only had two picks, and I told somebody else to, to grab him. Kenny might have grabbed him. Oh, Kenny. It was, either, it was either Kenny or it was Nick. It was somebody that was texting me asking me who I would go after. And I said, you got you to gotta get Junior Severino. I love this kid. Switch hitter. He can just hit. He just flat out hit, you know. Um, I agree. And I think when you, when you look at the swing, you're almost kind of like, that's an 18-year-old? Like, that's an 18-year-old? For You know, I don't know if he's a natural lefty, but I love his left-handed swing. Oh. Right, right spot swing on is, with everything I was going to say. Needs a, little bit, needs a little bit more work, but the lefty swing is just insane. Yeah. I actually feel like he's a little bit of like an – and this is in a, this is a compliment. He's like an unpolished Nick Gordon almost, where I think that 
there is more raw power there that he can get into from the left side. He, he's got much better lower body control than Nick Gordon does. Nick Gordon actually, the yeah. lazy, lazy comp here is, is actually a little bit of D Gordon. And I actually, I think they're related. I think he's Flash Gordon's like cousin or son or I'm probably wrong. I'm probably just associating because of the, is Nick Gordon related to D Gordon? It's his brother. It's his brother? How did I not know that? Yeah, and their and their and their father is Tom Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon. I knew that. I knew that. I just didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, and their, their dad is cousin. Tom Gordon. And then and then Juan Hillman from uh, the Indian system, who's a lefty who had some pop coming in, in twenty seventeen, had a really bad year, uh, was their adopted son, and huh. he played high school ball with Nick Gordon. I think that's how they adopted him. The guy had some family issues, so oh, there's a what? bunch of Gordons. Technically, there's three Gordons. Uh, in baseball right now, plus plus the other one. But, I, yeah. I feel terrible that I didn't Nick, know that was Nick his Gordon brother. Is, is D Gordon's brother, and D Gordon has said that that Nick Gordon is a better hitter than he is. No, it's his brother. Well, what do you know? Yeah, he's a better hitter probably, but he doesn't have nearly the same speed, and at the end of the day, no. it doesn't turn to the same fantasy no. value. So no. exactly. <laughs> and D's actually been getting a lot of hype in Seattle. I think that from what I hear, uh, Depoto and uh, Scott Cervase, I think he's their manager. They love him in center. Um, I'm interested to see how he plays up in center. That'll be really interesting for the Mariners, but uh, we're just kind of crossing Gordon's the arm, here. The arm is an issue in center. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But and I feel like his range, the I can range make kind is of, great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his speed is unbelievable. But uh, I feel like our sponsor for this is Ancestry.com, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you Ancestry.com. Genealogy. Genealogy, yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree on you, understand, Marina. I really like his left hand swing. I think there's a little bit more of some bat there. And projecting that out, if he could get to like 20 ish, 25 home runs at his peak, I, I'd love that because I think he could stick up the middle and that's huge and that provides some pop. I feel like we're going to get a wave in the next couple of years of like really good second baseman bats between Kingery, between Isan Diaz, who I really, really like. We talked about on the Marlins pod, who's one of my guys. Um, some of these other guys, like I feel like we might be looking at a lot of like 20, 25 home run, true, like nice pop second basemans, you know, in, in the not the same level of pop that like Brian Dozier has as we're on the Twins list, but similar you know like you take 10 homers off brian doors and get a little more average and you're looking at what i think a lot of these guys could turn into um you Severino, i like a lot steven gonzalves i believe is how you say his name lefty yeah, see, i say gonzalves it might be gonzalves because gonzalves. he's probably from Cal- i think he's from california but it's gonzalves to me because that's a portuguese last name ah. i grew up in a very portuguese area that's gonzalves it's the same way that like i say jake faria's name jake faria because I grew up with a bunch of Farias, but it's Faria because he's from California. So it's California Portuguese. They screwed all the names up. But anyway, Steven Gonzalez, what do you think about him? Because I've always liked this kid. He misses bats. He's got the rising fastball, lefty arm. What do you think about his mechanics? Because he's had some arm issues before. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with his mechanics. I think that you're looking at really, really advanced control. You're looking at a lot of other things yes. with him that are really nice, and it creates a super, super high floor. Him and Nick Gordon are the guys with floor here. I think that Royce Lewis's floor is pretty high, but because he's so young, relative like Nick Gordon and Seaman Gonzalez, it's not the same kind of floor. It's still a high floor, but it's not the same. We're talking like elite prospect in Royce Lewis, and we're talking a little bit lower in terms of elite prospects here. But he's back in – I've seen him – I think I have him back in the top my, my top 100 on the lefty side of things. He's similar to like a guy like Adrian Morejon to me, who I really like Morejon, but he's got a lot more risk. He's a little bit younger. I feel like Gonzalez is kind of like mixes into that because he's really close to the major leagues. The thing I'm still kind of debating in my head is whether that jump to AAA and the home run spike is an issue um i wonder if that's kind of just fatigue i hope it's not an actual thing that continues going into this year i'm sure he's down in spring right now with the twins getting some reps so i'd be interested we need someone at the backfields we need a backfield source to, to let us know about Kirillov and uh and gonzalez 
Honestly, that'd be that'd well, be huge. I uh, I saw Gonzalez pitch the other night. Looked pretty good. Nice. You know, rising fastball. He's got a plus curveball. I mean, his yeah. curveball is 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 a. He's weapon. gonna he's gonna be a lefty neutralizer. And here's the other thing. Let's here's the other thing. Look, let's put things into perspective. Twenty three years old. Um, just turned. You know, uh, twenty three middle of the season. So July. And good size too. Six, he had five. never. Yeah, and he had never had an ERA above two point six eight. So two point seven had never finished a season with an ERA of two point seven or higher. Exactly. With with some swing and miss, he misses bats between his changeup, the rising fastball where he challenges hitters up high, which is a weapon nowadays. Everyone talks about the spin rate, plus a really good curveball. Um, you know, I just uh, how much can we take into that twenty three inning four game yeah, sample size? It's small in AAA at the end of a season that. You know, maybe he just got beat up. You know, was, I, I'd have to look at the games. I mean, that's that to me seems like it's such a small sample size. It's tough to trust when you look at his previous track record of mowing down guys throughout every level and always being impressive but somewhat underrated. That maybe we're doing the same thing. I mean, I ranked him nine on my list, so I'm still kind of underrating him, especially for a guy that had 118 strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, in 110 innings and finished the season with a 3.27 ERA, but it was 2.68 in double a. So the numbers are good. The whip was really good for the season. I mean, he's always had a good whip, good control. I think it's just a matter of like all the bats that are ahead of him that we like, you know, Severino and even yeah. like Gordon is somewhat major league ready and he's a middle infielder. So even if, you know, he's kind of middling it, like he's still worth it, an ad most likely in redraft. Yeah. And it, it just takes a while for sometimes these, these starters to, to settle in, but he could be, Jake Faria of 2018, and it wouldn't shock me because there might be an okay. opportunity there in Minnesota. They need some starters. Urban Santana's hurt, though. I think he's already throwing, from what I understand. You just don't know. I think I think he could be in play. You know, he's probably going to start the season in AAA. So there's a lot there's a lot of reason to be excited. I mean, that's what Faria did last year. Started the season in AAA Durham, pushed, looked good, got his struggles out early figured some stuff out, came to the major leagues, looked good. And I think he's going to be the, exactly the same guy. I want to move on here because we're, we're cruising along. Yeah. What do you think about Lewin Diaz? This is a kid that I've had in my top 100 before. I've backed off a little bit more, but I really like the swing and the natural power that he yeah, has. The immediate comp I actually saw, I, was, I think I was watching tape of, of, of the Mets actually. Uh, excuse me, watching spring training, Mets spring training game because I want to see like gentleman pitch or something like that. And – Lewin Diaz reminds me a lot of Adrian Gonzalez, and this was particularly because of one ball I really? saw him hit where he went the other way, and he went the other way with some good pop. And that's why I yeah. think I've, I've seen it around at like 65, 70 raw. I know a lot of people don't give 65 ratings, whatever, but so we'll say 70 raw. I've seen it at 70 raw future, which is huge. But that kind of hasn't manifested at any level. You see like guys like Jalen Ortiz, that's like almost near 80 raw, but I think I'd probably keep it at 70 because I, I tend to reserve 80 for like Joey Gallo and only Joey Gallo, really. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I don't mind Lewin Diaz a bit. He jumped up to Cedar Rapids, um, 12 home runs in tw- 122 games. So that's why I think the grade on his power kind of deviates from the results. But uh, I can't say I know Cedar Rapids in terms of park and how good that is as far as suppressing home runs or inflating home runs or whatever. But uh I think it's all fields pop, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons where he can end up being an interesting bat. I could see him kind of being like a Kenny's Vargas kind of guy where he comes up pretty good from the left side, probably a little bit more on the average side of things than Kenny, Kenny's Vargas, but 
Yeah. Kenny Tavares is a guy uh, back in uh, a couple years ago, honestly, the Twins minor league system was actually in Connecticut, and I, I'm originally from Connecticut, and it was in New Britain, and I used to go to a ton yeah. of games there. So, I, I mean, I saw guys like Danny Santana, Dozier, Barrios, like all these guys to know, Kenny Tavares, all these guys came through there. And Francisco Liriano? Uh, I, I don't know if I remember that. I might have been too young, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, Luan Diaz, I, I don't mind him. And I like the fact that his carrot isn't too, too high. So again, this kind of feels like a high flourish power hitter, which you don't see too much in the in the kind of realm of like the Kenny's Vargas without the same amount of pop, probably pull pop from the left side. But I think, again, it's all fields pop. Decent K rate. He can walk a little bit. Yeah, I think he I think he finds a role. I don't know if he ends up turning into like a full time first base because I don't see the upside being insanely high. But he's, a, he's another one of those guys, he kind of is like in Dom Smith from the Mets, where, you know, if he steps into 25 home runs in a year with a decent average, I'm not going to be stunned. Um, you said you had him inside your top 100. You had him his past tense. So is he out of it now, Ralph? Or what are you thinking overall with him? Yeah, I uh, he's a guy I think I took a gamble on going into last year. I thought that he could really pop because the hit tool's so good for a guy that has raw power. And like, you know, if, if he had put together a year where he hit 300 and popped like 25 homers or something, oh, yeah, he'd be and the power, yeah, it was like 550 slugging, something like that. And I thought that was capable. I think he still is. I backed off a little bit because I've gotten less into first base types, unathletic first base types than I was before, but he could, he could fly up this list. He's another guy that. You know, if he came out and he gets into more of that raw power and he keeps the contact the same and he doesn't strike out a ton, um, the numbers could be great. And he's another guy that could fly up the list. He's another really interesting prospect. Twins have a ton of them. They and got a ton, yeah. I want to ask your while we finish up this list here, yeah. I want to ask your opinion on Fernando Romero because I've never been able to get anything out of my head other than the fact that I think that he's a reliever. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you want to even talk about Miranda, Jose Miranda. Yeah. Or uh, or Blaine Blaine Enlow, who's just a really exciting sort of uh, prep prospect, third rounder out of this most recent draft, righty. So you know, prep righty is usually underranked a little bit. He's kind of an interesting arm. But what do you think about uh, Ramiro? I mean, yeah. we we can wrap it up here and have like a, a tight a tight show for once. Yeah, I know. I think, well, I think it'll be about an hour it now. Will, yeah. Amazing. This is good. This is good. Now Ramiro's a really for me. You see, you hit you nailed it right there. Uh, I just yeah, really I, think it, it comes down to the fact that. I don't like his arm slot and projecting out the changeup is really the yep. main thing. I don't think he's getting up with a decent major league changeup out of that slot. But I, I, he could be a reasonable reliever. Honestly, I don't mind. Like, if you're talking about, like, future closer upside, they don't have the birdie brother, right? Zach, is it Zach Birdie or Nick Birdie? I, I don't know which one's which. Uh, yeah, he's White in Sox the Pirates now. He went in the Rule 5. Oh, he did. Wow, I didn't even know that. Wow. We gotta, yeah. gotta get to pay attention to the Rule Five more, but uh, he used to be kind of the a couple years ago. I knew he was projecting out to be the closer, but like Ramirez, sure. he, he's been pretty good at various levels. And I mean, I, I think he he's had fastball a good slider. Outing in, I think he had a good outing in spring recently. Yeah, or a I, too. He's like a Hildenberger kind of guy. Where I don't mind him. In a couple years, everyone yeah, kind of forgets about know. him. Then he jumps up and ends up being like a oh, that's just the closer. What do you know? You know? Yeah, so, who's technically still a prospect, I believe, too. Yeah, Hildenberger. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. He's another guy. You could probably vulture saves from forty-one-year-old Fernando Rodney. So <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, I, that's um, the main thing for me. Takeaway. And Addison that. Reed. They actually were oh, really Addison a pretty Reed, good bullpen. Wow. Well, I wanted to ask. I want to yeah. ask. What do you think about Zach Lytle? Because I'm kind of on the fence. Like he had a decent season. I think he's a back end of the rotation guy that had good numbers in the minor leagues. But if you, if I, I, I just I, don't think he's going to get the opportunity. Yeah, is the big thing because that's the thing for me. Actually, I wish I asked this earlier, as as I know some people obviously probably tail off as they listen to this pod. But but 
as far as what's the guy on this list, Ralph, that you think they could trade? Because this seems like a team that is teetering on contention. It's going to be tough to overcome the Indians, but they have so many pieces here that I feel like all end up and in, in create kind of blockage for guys between the middle infielders and the first baseman and even some of the corner outfielders. They have so many position players here. Like, do you think it's feasible for them to kind of go after another arm and give a guy like you're saying, like Liddell? He's not, I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity because they're, they're linked to guys like Lynn. They were linked to Darvish. They're, they're in that window where they probably need another starter to compete and legitimately compete, especially if Santana doesn't do what he did last year. And I just have this feeling that if the Twins are, like, competing with the Indians or if, you know, you're looking midseason and they're both kind of in the same win-loss record, they're lingering around each other, pretty even splits when they play each other, etc. I wouldn't be shocked to see him ship like a guy like, I mean, even like Nick Gordon. Like, that could return uh, a think, decent picture that they can I think they, they would trade meet. Nick Gordon. I wouldn't be shocked if they traded Rooker. Yeah, I that's the thing. I wouldn't be shocked if they traded like Javier. And I think that like, some of these other deaf guys, like as we get on here, like a Tyler J, um, maybe even Badu. Zach um, Granite is another guy. Like, he's He's not going to overtake Max Kepler to me. So Grant, it's like, what Grant's happens to his value? That, and Grant's a guy some people love. I just I don't I, see it. Yeah. I, to me, I think he's I'm a fourth a outfielder, if that. Yeah, same here. I just The numbers are fine. I know Katoa loves him or whatever that that whole modeling system yep. was. When, uh, yeah. What's, yeah it, it's a Kato, um, I think. It's Kato, right? It's Kato. Yeah, Katoa. They call it Katoa. Katoa. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, there you go. And listen <laughs> to me on how I pronounce names, right? But he's got some speed. Go. Granite probably is boosted on Cato because of the because of the speed. Because he's got some wheels. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I like I'm Lamont Wade. Lamont Wade has had a good spring too. He I has think had a good spring. UCLA kid, interesting bat. I think he's the guy in this list that could jump up and potentially get traded and be be a, a valuable piece. Because I think that. Uh, His swing's I nice. Think, it's a college yeah. swing. It's a college bat swing, and and that's and much more polished than a lot of the guys. Yeah. He's upper minors. I think he's got a shot. Tyler J was a guy they drafted way too early, and they passed on some very good players for him. Uh, I think he's a future reliever lefty. Um, you know, I what don't know. To, There's uh, nobody else we got to touch on here. What happened to Cole Stewart? Is he still on the Twins? You remember Cole Stewart? He was like a young I, prep pitcher. I remember I was trying to see him way back in the day. I don't know if Stewart is still on the Twins. Yeah, he is. He is. He, is. Yeah, he pitched uh, double A. He started 70. Oh, his K's, K rate dropped immensely. Wow. He was down to six K per nine across seventy-seven innings in Double A. That's not oh, good. Okay. With a four-four ERA. Okay, well he was a prep prospect. I remember a while back I was I was trying to get some looks at back into Britain, but he never got up there. I think Brios beat him up there, but uh, he's another guy. I remember being relatively touted, but he's had struggles. He's already twenty-three. He he reached Triple A. He got beat up, but he reached Triple A. Um, eh. Um, pretty unnecessary name probably to mention there. But yeah, Lamont Wade is <laughs> is a decent college bat. He's a guy who could jump up and create a high floor where he's like. He hits the major leagues and he hits and everyone's like, oh, where does this guy come from? But it's like you look exactly. at the list and you're like, you can't put Lamont Wade above like, I mean, you can't put him above Luan Diaz. I don't think you can't put him above Junior oh. Severino. So like where are you going to put him? And because he's back half of the top 15, no one's going to know who he is when he debuts eventually at some point, you know? So Yeah, exactly. Tough. The Mets, the Mets need Lamont Wade, and Lamont, Lamont Wade needs the Mets because he'd be like the sixth ranked prospect. <laughs> Six, I think you're, you're, you're probably four or five. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Is like this going to be our coverage of the Mets list? Are we announcing that we're skipping some lists yet? <laughs> yeah, I think we, we got to skip the Mets probably. Skip the Mets. I like David Peterson. I, I'm it. very, I'm very fringy on the, on the Brewers. Because I feel yeah, like any I like Brewers prospects that we yeah. like, we'll probably talk about in the top 100 prospect That's podcast. a good point. That's a good point. 
And I want to get to that. So anyway, I don't know, Lance. You got anything else to add here on the twins? Or can we wrap this uh, this shindig up and ship it out to to market? I think we can ship it to market, yeah. Like fish. I like it. Where can the people find you on Twitter? I am at Lance Brazo on Twitter. Um, I aggregate everything on there. It's probably too confusing to mention everything that I do and where I write and what I help out with. But Monday Rasball Comms, this prospect podcast with Ralph, two of my most favorite things to do. I think I'm going to write about uh, Kingery and Senzel this weekend for fantasy purposes because I kind of want to dig into them a little bit. So it's been a hot topic. I know I've seen them going in the the great fantasy baseball invitational drafts. I've seen them going in the mid-200s, and I've been trying to figure out what exactly their value is. So I'll write that up and shoot that out. Um, yeah, a lot of other stuff going on. Obviously, starting on my my podcast, which is going to be really different from this, which I'm probably going to do my own stuff on and, and kind of dig into more major league topics, etc. But that's going to be fun. And Kenny, as I mentioned, is going to be doing some design work on that for me. So I'm stoked to see what he does. Rotoware, check out Rotoware. But at Lance Brazdow is where you should go. B R O Z D O W. I'm on Twitter, building that following. Ralph, how about you? At Prospect Jesus, I think you guys know where to find me on Razball. Another great week, Lance. Thank you very much. Thanks Take for care. Listening. Peace. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232.